BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> I've seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural. Lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm -hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am the infamous Jay. And today, we're going to revisit something all the way from season one. Season one? We mentioned in passing in an episode. We always talk about doing a t-shirt in it. <laughs> Flying penguins. Penguin UFOs. Penguin UFOs, it's here. It's here. It's finally here. But before we get into that, we have all of our top of house stuff. So once again... uh, with the Spotify skipping back and forth, the voice changing, giving my attention, Podbean's also doing it. I did a lot of online research trying to figure out what's happening here. It seems like it just happens. It's nothing on our end. I, it's, but what everybody suggested was if you have this problem happening consistently, 
uninstall your app that you're listening to any podcast on and then reinstall it. Wow. And it happens, Apple, it happens on Podbean, it happens on Spotify. All of ours seem to be on Podbean and Spotify. I haven't heard any complaints from any of our Apple users. But online, it talks about all the Apple users having similar issues. So as far as I can tell, it's nothing that we can do on our end to fix. This is very odd phenomena. But it's been happening. There's tons and tons. Of, once you type it in, podcast skipping back. Yeah. And there's tons and tons of people talking about Results, it online. Results, yeah. So I just want to get that out there. Paranormality Magazine. We're affiliates. Use our link below. As Corn Crew is the little link code, we get a kickback if you buy anything from them. Uh, we're working on some of our first articles for them. Yeah, be exciting. Go, go check them out. YouTube. We have our YouTube page link below. Uh, we started putting conference videos up there. When we go to conferences, we try to do a walkthrough video so you can see all the cool stuff, all the people we know. Uh, the documentary series is on there, and then our normal episodes are also available. The voicemail service, that's what we're doing on Wednesdays now. Uh, so you call in with your encounter, your cool story, or even if you just want to say hi, you guys are doing great, or yeah. or just tell us where you're calling in from. That's the speaker pipe link below. P.O. Box, you want to send us something cool, please do. It's P.O. Box 75, Ada, Ohio, 45810, and that's A-D-A, Ohio. Four five eight one zero. Also in the link below. Yep. Merch. We have all kinds of cool stuff on our website. Uh, the summer shirts are going to be available to the end of September. Then they're going to get pulled. And that is the Oceanic Croc fighting an orca with sandhill cranes flying in the background, and the Antarctic spider crabs chasing us down we in an ice cave. We should have saved the ice spiders for the winter. Now I'm thinking about it, but you know no, what? No, it was summer. It was uh, hot. It was hot and cold. Like we were. There's, oh. a, whole, there's a whole theme. Okay. Shows what I know. Tropic and Tundra was the name of the whole thing. Gotcha. Because we did them back to back and we called them Tropic and Tundra. So that would be the Tundra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, conferences. What we got left. We're going to be at Mothman. Yep. We're not vending. But we're going to be there. Walking around saying hi. Watch on our Instagram page and our Facebook page for where we're going to do stuff. Like where we're going to do group stuff. So please come hang out and enjoy us. If you want t-shirts, we're going to have them in the car. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Just let us know. Then we got Hawking Hills Conference after that. Yep, and I, I'm speaking at that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay's going to be standing up there with me, but he doesn't have to worry anything about that presentation. I got to stand up there. Yeah, can I just heckle you from the crowd? Nope, that'll be more fun for you. Exactly, not for the crowd. Oh no, they would love it. Uh, yeah, and then our conference, uh, the Fortean Airwaves, the one we're a part of, and that is uh, October six, seven, and eighth. Yes, here in Eight, Ohio. Uh, it's Podcaster Our hometown. Panel. Yeah, Podcaster Panel. Everybody's going to have merch. Uh, there's going to be, everybody's going to speak, and it ends with a pancake breakfast on Sunday. It's the ultimate podcast uh, conference experience. Let's see if you can get everybody. Me? Yeah. Okay, you got us. We got Eric from Uncomfortable Podcast. We got Joel and Sean from Kill the Mockingbirds. We got the boys over at AI, Artificial Justin in, or, Ryan Lance. Appalachian Intelligence. I always do that. We got Hollow Sky. And then last, but not least, we got the bump. Bo Kennedy. And so that's all of them. It's going to be a fun one. All right. If you're like, Once again, if you're coming... Oh, and then Crypticon in November. Oh, yeah. Uh, once again, if you're coming to a conference, let us know. We just try to learn faces and names to hang out when we do this stuff. Uh, Kiss hands, shake babies. The whole you're, works. If you're trying to contact us to speak at a conference or anything like that, email is the best way, and that's Podcast at gmail.com. Are you ready for some reviews? Yeah, let's get one. And after these next couple weeks, reviews and Patreon shoutouts will be moved to the Wednesday episodes. Oh, yeah. But we're bulk recording right now because it's fair week. Right. So I have to. Uh, So first one is from listener 
one two one eight zero six zero zero four five five. Oh my gosh! Okay. Uh, wish I knew how to leave a five star review on Spotify. You guys are so addictive. I re-listened to all of your episodes three times now. I hope to hear more high strangers from Canada. We'll get you there. I promise. Thank you, uh, user. One two one eight zero six zero zero four five five. Okay. <laughs> thank you, though. We really appreciate it. We do thank you, and we we really appreciate you, user. One two. Just, yeah, don't do, do it again, again please. Uh, okay. Uh, Durpeter, Shani Dur- Shani Durpeter. I'm gonna. I think that's what it is. Uh, they have a very nice review. Horse. Every episode is like a fine champagne. Mm. Actually, I don't like champagne. I do. Okay, so every episode is like whatever beverage you guys enjoy with added seasoned potatoes cooked in a manner that you most prefer. Oh, that's my praise. Yeah. So whiskey and seasoned potatoes. There we go. Mm. No, do Patreon members a shout out because we're bulk recording. Uh, but remember, Patreon we do month. Uh, we do two monthly hangouts. We do structured talks. We have all the Patreon exclusive merch and all this fun stuff. If you feel like you can support us on Patreon, we greatly appreciate it. But no pressure. Okay, now this word. The Discumbi? Is that what we said? Oh, Discumbia. Discumbia. The Discumbia Space Penguins. It's in Missouri, so. Missouri, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think? Have you ever seen pictures of the space penguins? No. Should I Google it? No. Okay. Not till the end. Okay. What do you picture? A penguin and a UFO. Hmm. Like a circular disc with a penguin piloting it. Okay. In the winter of 1967, a very no-nonsense Missouri farmer had a run-in with a horde of strange, scurrying entities from outer space that one could only describe that kind of resembled green and yellow space penguins. Okay. Green and yellow? Mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers? No. Oh. Like Green Bay Peppers. What? So Missouri... On a bone-chilling morning in February 14, 1967, a 64-year-old farmer named Claude Edwards, such a Missouri farmer name, Claude, uh, woke up to attend his duties on his remote parcel of land near Tuscumbia, Missouri. As the sun rose low on the horizon, Edwards bundled up his face for the bitter day, never imagining he was about to be face-to-face with a completely unknown animal or creatures. Edwards was simply a simple, hardworking, salt of the earth kind of Midwesterner who had no time for any kind of foolishness regarding aliens, flying saucers, or anything of the like. So as he wore boots trample or as his war boots trampled across the icy, rock strewn slopes he took him in from his home to his barn, nothing could have shocked him more and it was about to, what he was about to see that appeared to be a UFO sitting in his nearby field. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, first, right off the bat, you got somebody, you got a guy, an older farmer, saw the earth, no-nonsense guy, walks out. It's bitterly cold. It's Missouri in February in 1960s. Yeah, it sounds pretty cold. It's horrid. He's walking out, and he just as he's going to take care of the cows and everything, he looks over, and there's just a UFO sitting there. Okay. What do you think so far? Sounds like the typical farmer's UFO experience. What have I told you? This UFO was extremely mushroom-shaped. Ooh, okay. So it had this the the dome on top. Yeah, it's very. It kind of that's how you describe it. Stock in the middle. 
So Edwards started or stated that before he saw the unusual object, at first thing he noticed was that all of his cattle in the east field were grazing in the same direction. All facing it? Or what? Or are they all just looking the same way? They're all looking the same way. Okay. That's kind of odd. Intrigued, Edwards followed their stairs through the grove of trees and was astonished to see what he described as a massive grayish green mushroom-like object, which was perched atop a circular tube. Uh, one in the meadow adjacent to his barn. So he mm. walks out and he sees all these cows. Like they're all like looking one way. Right. He's like that's odd. And he follows like, well, all right, what's over there? What's what are they looking at? Oh, that's really odd. Yeah. So they were all kind of had it in their sights. So keep in mind, Delphos was out there. Delphos. Remember we did the Delphos episode on Patreon a while back. The Delphos UFO. UFO. Okay. Which was another mushroom-shaped UFO. Yeah. Out in I believe Kansas. Okay. All right, so almost as if an autopilot, the farmer continued to his barn. So he just keeps walking to his barn. Didn't I was like, all right. His eyes never leaving the UFO, though. He sat down on a feed bucket, and he'd been, uh, I'm sorry, he sat down the feed bucket he had been lifting and uh, hunched out the door, or hunched the door shut. When With the barn secure, Edwards then turned back towards the particular odd object occupying his field, and that's when he saw something that he would never forget. What was it? A group of tiny, strange creatures hastily swarming beneath the object. Okay. Like his chickens, probably. Very, uh, yeah. His chickens. Yeah, it's just his chickens. Nothing weird. Edwards estimated that they were uh, separate or separate from the odd entities about 70 feet of land, uh, two wire fences, and a smattering of cows. So he's about 70 feet from this thing. Okay. The gusty farmer, who was not pleased by the fact that his cows were being spooked or that his property had been trespassed on, even if he said trespassers happened to hail from the, uh, another world. The farmer, no doubt, fueled by a combination of curiosity and adrenaline, claim, or climbed the first gate and started walking directly towards the obscene alien interlopers. Mm, okay, so he's just going to so he approach sees, him head on. 70 feet away, two fences in this cat field of cows. Mm-hmm. There's a mushroom-shaped UFO with all these tiny little green entities. Swarming around the bottom. Running around in circles. Yeah. Going nuts. And his first reaction is, let's walk towards it. Why are they on my property? Mm, okay. That's his kind of gut reaction. Yeah. I got to shoo them. Yeah. As Edwards reached the second gate, the diminutive creatures began moving in an even more irregular fashion. Edwards would later describe that as a miniature monsters were approximately three feet in height and uh, having a grayish green complexion, much like that of their ship. Although, and once again, based on uh, his drawings, it would seem that they were being uh, eared on the greenish side a bit more. Okay. So they were a little bit more green than the ship, but they were still that kind of green gray. Some people like draw these things and paint these things and they're like bright yellow. Okay. That's kind of not the true color they were. It they was were, more greenish yeah, than yellow. Yeah, more like, yeah, green. Okay. Uh, also, based upon Edward's sketches, it would seem that they were either beings with no hands or their arms having moved so swiftly that Edwards couldn't discern the shape of their appendages. So they had, like, wing-like arms, so very much like penguins. And so that's kind of the argument. If they had hands or anything like hands or they were... Just a flap. They were flapping their arms so fast, could Edwards not really see them? Yeah. These creatures are like going insane. Okay, like a like a swarm of quail after you uh just raided their 
You took their eggs, yeah. Yeah, you took their eggs. Edwards also claimed that these aliens were either wearing goggles or had huge, wide-set black eyes. Okay. Ooh. So we have three-foot-tall, green, flappied arm, gigantic black-eyed or goggled creatures. So almost like little green aliens, but... Very different shape. Just different, yeah. They're very penguin-esque shaped. Okay. Everything about them, like if you just... Take a penguin body plan and then add all this stuff. Okay. Like an alien-penguin hybrid. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. We get to theories. It also had, they had some dark protuberances where their nose and mouth ought to be. Love that word. Protuberances? Yeah. It's one of my favorite words. Whether or not he believed these protuberances were a natural part of their physiology uh, or featuring some kind of protective or possibly breathing apparatus is not clear. So some people, when they draw these things, they almost look like they're wearing a gas mask. Okay. (laughs) Like literally, like the old style, because they got the big black, like two right. eyes, yeah, and this big protuberance. Or some people think it's natural, just some anatomy they have, yeah, it's just odd to us. But you know, there's animals from this earth that have very odd anatomy to us. Oh, for sure, like a taper. Oh gosh, yeah. So although that connection may not uh, may be tentative at best, when hearing a description of the Tuscomba, the Tuscombe aliens, it is difficult to not have to invoke of memories of the encounter reported by a pair of Finnish lumberjacks. In 1971. So this alleged alien life form that they ran into on its winter day uh, near Kanguska was a small, almost lighter than air creature, which had come to known as the uh, Kimalu humanoid. (laughs) This being was said to be uh, clad with a green colored protective suit, similar to the creatures that Edwards had uh, bore witness to. That is assuming, of course, that the creatures at the thing ever saw we're wearing anything at all we like, we just don't know mm-hmm. hmm interesting so he, he's seeing this stuff and he's not doing did he actually get closer to like approach any of them or what would you do i wouldn't i would have my gun ready just man so violent well i'm just if, if something looked this freaky i'd probably just try to take one of them out and see if the rest would leave so Edwards watched in wonder of these bizarre creatures buzz back and forth directly beneath their odd device, arms swinging frantically at each side. He would later claim that their invaders resembled little green penguins with no visible necks. Edwards also stated that he could not clearly discern what manner of locomotion they were employing in their lower extremities. Basically, they're just kind of moving so quick, you can't really tell what's like if they have legs, if they're yeah. walking, if they're hovering. He can't tell. There's and, a whole bunch of them. They're just going nuts. And if they resemble penguins, like you can't, you can see penguins' feet, but not really. You can't see them walking. They're just kind of waddling back and forth. Yeah. So, where was it? At this point, Edwards, like any uh, prime human defending his property minus a weapon, picked up a pair of bulky rocks and appo- approached what at this point he was convinced was a UFO. In fact, Edwards would later state that his intentions were to use the rock to throw at the device and puncture a hole in its side in order to prevent it from taking off. Oh, no. I can only imagine what's about to happen. He immediately went to be like, I'm catching these things. Yeah. He didn't want to hit the penguins with the rock. No. He wanted to make sure the UFO couldn't take off. Wanted to make sure they couldn't leave. So this UFO is like, you know, it's big, but not huge. You know, not it's not like the giant like Walmart sized ones you hear like right, Travis, Travis Walton. Walton. Yeah. yeah. So the farmer got about fifteen men or fifteen feet from the mushroom uh, with the with the energetic entities. He was abruptly stopped by some sort of force field. Edwards claimed that he could neither 
see nor tangibly feel it, but that the pressure of the invisible barrier emitted was unmistakable. So according to him, here's what exact, his exact words. Okay. I thought I was going to go right up to it. I got up there, and there it was. I just walked up against a wall. So, he, But he said he couldn't, like, feel it. It was very odd. Right. He couldn't physically, like, mm-hmm. touch it, but it was... But he couldn't go past could, it. Through it, yeah. He felt the energy change or something. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts so far? Um, I'm trying to think here about how... I feel about this because I don't know if it's just, I mean, so far I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I'm trying to discern whether or not this is a true, like full on account or if it's all hundred percent just fooey made up stuff. Can't decide yet. Hmm. I'm not going to give you my opinion because it may definitely sway how you view this. All right. All right. But either way, um, it's pretty interesting when it comes to, or not interesting, similar to other stories we've heard. But nothing. There's some big differences. Yeah, there's this one's definitely got there's its own unique take. But I want to see. I'm definitely curious to see where this rock ends up that he's about to throw. It was then that Edwards, who would eventually sketch the uh, the domed vessel, got his first good look at the soundless, glittering vessel. He would later describe it as it had a very metallic surface of a vehicle, as being very smooth and seamless. Even going as far as to compare it to. Shiny silk. Ooh. He estimated that it curved top of the craft was about fifteen or eighteen feet diameter. It was nearly eight feet tall at its apex, so the actual dome top okay. was eight feet tall and eighteen feet wide. The stem-like tube that was supporting the object uh, that eventually made out of, or was evidently made out of the same material as the dome top and stood not much higher than the beings beneath it. So it's like say four feet tall. The okay. stem is like four feet tall. The UFO is eight feet tall and 18 feet wide. Mm-hmm. So altogether, this thing's probably lives at 12 feet tall and 18 feet wide. I'm trying to think what uh, this reminds me huge. of. Not huge. No, it's not. It's reminding me of something, and I can't put my finger on it right now. Oh, the so the, sh- the craft itself. The craft itself, it, it's almost, like you said, it's almost like silk. It's like stretched silk. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be a metal, but it's very shiny like metal. Yeah. At this point, the Polaris farmer could also discern that uh, evenly spaced oval portal or portholes, about twelve inches long and about twelve inches apart, situated around the lower rim of the saucer part. Edwards would insist these portholes did not seem to function as windows, but as they could be dazzling, or he would see a dazzling array of colors radiating from each of these ovals. The colors lights oscillated. As they were spinning beneath, or uh, as they were spinning behind the portals, Edwards described the craft as this: the object just looked like a big shell, grayish-green looking outfit, and underneath there was these oblong holes where the lights were coming out of them. They were so bright you couldn't see what was going up in there, as if the color wheel was turning inside the thing. Okay. So these these holes, he doesn't think they're windows; they're flashing lights. Yeah. Almost like they're lights, but he's like, he could almost see sense there was something behind him flashing around. Okay. He gets that kind of feeling from it. Yeah. It's not a light, like a light bulb, but lights being emanated. The thing he's seeing is like flashing colors. Right. So it's actually got a big squid inside of it. <laughs> the penguins are scared because they're, it's, it's the out. Squid, the yeah. The squid's trying to eat them. They trapped it in its ship and now they're out. Like, what do we do now? How do we get this thing out? Do we go back in to kill it? 
we can't really fish it out because if they bring, I don't know, they're in a they're in a catch twenty two right now. Yeah, keep in mind these guys are like half the size of emperor penguins, so they're not even big penguins. No, they're little guys. So anxiously, this rugged man of the land backed off about ten feet. He hurled one of the rocks he had gathered at the immovable object. The rock bounced off the impenetrable uh, barricade, nonetheless, and landed on the ground. Mm. Edwards then threw the second rock with even more force, but it just skipped over top of the object like a stone over water mm. before landing on the field behind the UFO. So he just wings, he just chucks these rocks. So first one, he kind of gingerly throws, it bounces back at him. The yeah. second one, he wings and it domes it, and it just bounces off. So it's like it's got its own force field around yeah. it. Yeah. And so... The creatures don't take kindly to this. The little penguin guys? Yeah. Oh, boy. What'd they do? As soon as he lobbed the second stone, the scuttering green little creature swiftly disappeared behind the shaft surrounding the craft, uh, presumably uh, into an access porthole because uh, they were concerned about the farmer. And then the, that the strange UFO tilted towards him, not once, but twice. On the third lunch, like, lurch, the UFO actually began slightly ascending off the frozen earth. So he throws these rocks. The second rock, all these are like, blah, 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 and yeah. they start piling into the UFO. Yeah. Like fighting each other to get in. Yeah. They go on the other side from him. Like they're using the UFO as a shield too. Right. So according to Edwards, the flying mushroom soared skyward at tremendous speed before it leveled off and began heading towards St. Elizabeth which is located northwest of Decumbie. The vehicle vanished within moments of leaving behind a puzzled Edwards and a pasture full of bewildered bovine. Edwards later encapsulated his fantastic encounter of the UFO uh, to UFO investigator Ted Phillips, and here's what he said. The whole thing took over five minutes, maybe ten. I would have never seen anything like it. It looked like, a shiny, it, looked like it was shiny, shiny silk or something. I couldn't tell. I was going to tell, though, if I could hit it with one of these rocks. Uh, one detail would have seemed to add a stroke of uh, validity to this uh, really bizarre encounter was the fact that Edwards was a seasoned man of the land who stood to gain very little except the ridicule of his peers. By admitting that this potential harrowing event, in fact, when uh, Phillips was introduced to Edwards through his brother, the farmer refused to utter a word about the incident until the young researcher pleaded to uh, or pledged that he would protect the farmer's anonymity. Mm. When he did this, Edwards uh, when he did this until Edwards' death, basically he said, "Don't tell anybody my name until I'm dead." Yeah. Bill described his first encounter with Edwards. When I arrived at the farm, we visited for several minutes, gaining confidence that I wouldn't reveal his name or location until his death. He didn't like talking about the sighting at first but became more comfortable as we discussed the weather in farming. I asked him to re uh, re relieve his events in real time, and we began on his front porch facing the large barn of the landing area. The fact is that the farmer uh, never tried to squeeze an ounce of publicity out of it. He never made a penny of profit. For this very strange Valentine's Day experience, he had led many investigators to conclude that there would be no motivation for him to prank on this part or on Edward's part. In fact, or in further support of Edwards, claims of an uncannily trace evidence left behind the field where the UFO landed. Phillips arrived to interview Edwards not long after the event in question, 
was able to photograph the effects the UFO left on the field, including a spot where they had supported the tube and the soil. Phillips explained, when I arrived on the, on the site, the traces were still quite visible. There was one meter diameter impression that was slightly irregular circle where the shaft had rested. The soil was extremely dehydrated, inconsistent with, uh, inconsistent with the surrounding soil. Keep mm. that fact in mind, because we're going to talk about Delphos. What, that I was dehydrated? Yeah. Okay. Remember, Delphos soil became hydrophobic. Yes. Uh, I would prefer, or I would be the last encounter, or this would be the last encounter Edwards ever reported, this witness in particular. Space penguins and their mushroom-shaped UFO. But I'd like to say safe that it stepped out of the modest home at the crack of dawn to begin his work that every morning. He never did it without looking in that field with <laughs> apprehension. And perhaps just a bit of anticipation. Hmm. So he's kind of hoping it would happen again or something. That's what he got. The, this uh, this interviewer kind of got off him. Yeah. That he was just maybe wanted to see it one more time, just yeah. be like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. So that's the whole story. That is a wild, a wild one. So we'll go back through it. Uh, you know, I just kind of read through it. So this is like mixing cryptids. This and is everything. Aliens, interdimensional. Interdimensional. Yeah. The UFO mushrooms went up in the sky, but never really left okay like it just kind of kept going over the horizon it didn't go yeah in space space yeah the way he was describing inside is very portal like these flashing like liquidy colors like flashing around like they were using this device to transport dimensions yeah the only reason they got up in the air because he was hucking rocks at him right yeah it's like (laughs) they got to move on somehow yeah yeah like oh i just that's i i really think they sounded like muppets in my head, the yeah. sounds, he never described the sounds. The sounds they made, it sound like Muppets in my Muppets. head. You know what these kind of remind me of, too? Hmm. Shy Guy from uh, yeah, from Mario. Oh, or, did you look yeah, at the Mar- picture? No, it just popped in my head. Like, if they were, instead of being Shy Guy or Red, You can now look up the pictures of them. Of what? Of these guys. Okay. No, that's the picture I got in my head uh, just now with it. It's the big eyes, like, could be gl- eyes or goggles. Mm-hmm. And then the mouths. Shy Guy just popped in my head. And then being small, you know, about... You can't really see their arms. So these entities really didn't take any notice of him. Until he... Until he was through the second rock. He threw it hard enough to where it didn't deflect. It kind of bounced. And I don't know how the force field technology works, if that was a little bit more alarming to them than the first rock. Mm -hmm. Because he really didn't care about the first rock. Hmm. Here's some videos. Yeah, they do kind of look like shy guys. A little bit. Or not videos, sorry. Pictures, drawings. Now find Edward's picture. Um, which one is it in particular? Um, is it any of these ones? I think it's that first one. Yeah. Hmm. They do kind of resemble like penguin shape esque things, but I mean, I remember, this is a, a farmer out in the middle, right? Of yeah. Missouri. Exactly. I'm sure he's not the best artist. Seventies. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. This is the embodiment of my favorite part of ufology. Okay. Is the one-offs. Yeah. Not the greys. Not the reptilians. Not any of this crate like. This common crazy stuff. This is a story that to me a hundred percent happened. Well, uh, uh. Go ahead, you're muted. Just oh, sneeze. No. It's done. Okay. It went away. So this is a story I believe a hundred percent happens. Yeah. Because it is so outlandish. It is so wild to think the imagination could of conjure a this sixty five year old farmer yeah. in the middle of Missouri in the dead of winter. That cares about nothing but his farm. Imagine this. See now, it, yes, I would. If the farmer did tell a story and the journalist, whatever, recounted it, 
you know exactly how it was. I do believe it would be real. The only way I wouldn't think it would be real is if uh, whoever made wrote the story. What if they just made up the farmer and the whole situation? So his brother came out about it. His brother's the one that connected him to the UFO researcher. Oh. So his brother was still alive after his death. Okay. And went and talked about it. Okay. Yeah, my brother's seen this. Like, yeah. Okay. Because his brother was the whole reason. Because he told he told a couple members of his family and stuff right. like that. And his brother's like, you got to tell somebody. And he's so like, no. It does have some credence then Yeah, to no. It. This is a very, in my opinion, a very credible story. Yeah. The whole way down. The UFOologist, I haven't looked into him much to see if there's any weird stuff in his past or anything like that. Uh-huh. But I do know his the guy's brother, the original guy that connected him and the UFOologist, yes. did come out forward. His kids talked about it and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, like Dad wouldn't talk about this. Yeah. Like, we, every once in a great while, if you pestered him enough, he would tell we, you what happened. Yeah, a little, but, a little snippet. But he would never do it. Hmm. And I just, yeah. So it's a very interesting story. So what do you think about the creature's shape? This is unique. We haven't got we haven't got one like this before yet that I um, that I'm aware of. No, it's it's a very unique story the whole way down. Because I'm trying to link it to any other creature we've talked about, but like I said, the only thing I think of is shy guy. I can think of what did I say earlier? Something I can't remember what I was thinking. Maybe I said it or was just thinking in my head. But but the penguins, the little space penguins, they are they're from they're from they're an advanced race of penguins from South Pole. That were bullied for so long about not having flight from the other birds that they showed them up by hooking up with the mushrooms who've also been bullied for so long. You know, under the ice, the Antarctic mushrooms that just get all the hate because people say they don't exist. They teamed up and they're like, we'll show you, world. They combined their powers together. The mushrooms integrated themselves into the penguin DNA to turn them all green and radioactive looking. And they infected their brains they helped them manipulate the conjure up to build this organic craft maybe the mushrooms just grew the craft and when they mixed it with the penguin dna it created flight travel out of just spite out of spite spite flight so it was a spite flight vehicle and it they landed in missouri if you know just because it was cold winter they could travel in winter because they're used to the cold duh it all makes sense mushroom lands picking up nutrients they're they're stomping around the ground to draw up nutrients so the mushroom can absorb it, you know? They're running around the ground to get the frozen to rejuvenate the worms that are under the earth frozen, you know? All makes sense. All makes sense. So the mushrooms can then eat it and consume. They can get a little snack themselves and they take off for the next spot. Figured it out. All right. So everybody, that was Jay's theory from season one. I don't even know what we got, how we got to that in season one. Something about penguins being hated on because they couldn't fly. It was a very it, convoluted, very convoluted. That was the uh, start of it. Yeah. So most UFOs are pe- penguin piloted for all you out- listeners out there. So yeah, he walks. So the cows. The way let's let's really go through this story. All right. So he sees this UFO and instinctually just kind of goes to his barn. Right. He's like, I gotta just gotta, and then he gets to the barn and then he kind of sits down and relaxes for a second and looks out the window. But these cows are all watching this thing. Mm-hmm. They don't seem scared. They seem bothered, like how he kind of describes them. Like, they're spooked. Right. But they're not, like, taken off from it. They're more watching They're just watching it, it. yeah. And the, the the small child size entities. He never says a number. Some of the drawings have three. Some of the drawings have, like, 20 of them. I pictured, like, 10. Okay. Because there's enough of them that there was, like, yeah, they were going nuts underneath the thing. Right, yeah. So 
eight, you just see it's the, and the cows. Like, how long were they out there for all the cows in the pasture to kind of walk over to the hill and be Witness staring them. out there? You know, yeah. they are out there all night, you know, making this crazy light show. Yeah. It's winter. He's not going out to investigate nothing. Or they could have just landed or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next thing is he walks up to it, and they really don't seem to be all that bothered by him. So we haven't dove into this side of ufology very much yet. This is a lot of stuff we have kind of coming up as going into more of these encounters to where there's a lot of these weird little creatures that are seen coming out of UFOs, and not this type particularly, but other weird little entities from mm-hmm. around the world that don't seem to care about people for a minute. Like they're doing their own thing. Right. Until people kind of butt in. and Then it's a problem. And But they didn't do anything. So this guy picks up these two gigantic rocks. The first one he hucks kind of straight in front of him, very gingerly, and bounces off the shield. Yeah. And they don't care. The second rock he aims towards the top, and he beams it, and the rock goes flying. Yeah, and it said the minute he threw it, they were all like, huh? Yeah, when they hit, once they hit the dome, yeah, they freaked out. And then uh, they all start piling back into this thing, like fighting hand over fist to get back in this thing. Yeah. Doesn't scream super intelligent to me. Maybe more hive mindy or something. I no, don't know. I know it doesn't like hive mindy would be like organized. Okay. It seems like almost like kids, like getting scared on the field trip trying to run back in the bus. <laughs> scared on the field trip running back in the bus mm-hmm. for safety. I hope I'd never witness that. I hope that never happens to any kids. It happened to us. <laughs> you got scared and had to run back on the bus? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I was yelling at us. Oh, my. That's, you see, it is scary. Farmer with a rock. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you were the penguins. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, the guy did yell at us on a field trip. Oh, okay. And the teacher told us to get back in the bus, and we all, like, panicked. We lost the one kid at the uh, Washington, D.C. Zoo that could barely speak English in our class. <laughs> That's horrible. They were like, hey, where's Jacob? Everyone looked around. Uh, bad. Bad. So, before they start piling in, he notices these lights, and or these orbs, or portals. Like, he uses the word portal or porthole, kind of interchangeably. Okay. But he's like, they're not windows. And they're right. not lights. It's very much that there's like a liquid inside them almost. A mm. color changing, flashing light liquid. Okay. Very hard for him to explain, like, to un- for us to understand. Uh, and he feels like there's something moving in the craft behind these observable things. Okay. So what do you think about that part? It sounds like a bioluminescence or something. I, I don't know if I get that vibe off personally. Hmm. I don't know if it's very... Like portally, this device or this shape, this creature, this this mushroom thing, is housing up interdimensional portal, mm. and that's what he's witnessing. And they're kind of I don't know if they're waiting for it to be ready until you know obviously so they get scared. Yeah, and like are there because they they always seem to be in a panic. Yeah, like these creatures, the second he sees them, they're running around in big circles. They're waving their arms around. They're running so fast you can't see their feet. Yeah. Like, they seem like they're in trouble. They're in distress. They're not supposed to be here. Right. And they really don't care about the cows or him until he starts hucking rocks at them. And so they become, they make themselves a threat. Yeah. 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 So, and then that, so they, they pile in the craft and it, like, leans at him once. And then it leans at him twice. And on the third lean, it kind of gets up in the air and kind of goes off towards town. I imagine they're all inside. They all run from one side to the other. Now, and then back, and then back again to try to get this thing moving. It's very, I mean, it could be. I know, yeah, it could be. 
I mean, it's just weird. And maybe a very primitive UFO. Maybe that's why. Maybe it wrecked. Like they landed. They needed fuel or something. And I don't know. Maybe they're all panicking because maybe they weren't panicking. Maybe they were just doing something to like recharge the battery. You know what I mean? Something like that. They were all running circles around it to get. And he the just f- stood there and watched it go. Yeah. It's a very odd UFO case as far as all what gets publicity for UFO cases. Mm-hmm. And these are my more favorite ones. Yeah, I you don't hear about this one as one of the main ones people so talk about. The Delphos UFO, for everybody that may not be familiar, because if they're not on Patreon, we did the Patreon episode on the Delphos UFO, which is a crazy encounter with this mushroom-shaped UFO yep. that's flashing lights. It's almost exactly described like this thing, except the ground, when it was fully done, the circle underneath it was crystallized yes. and hydrophobic I was just for four say. years after. Four years, dang, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't accept water for four years. Nothing grew. And this thing had a light, like it had lights on it too, yep, right? It was very similar. It's yeah. very, I would, I would call it almost the same craft, with Man, everything I was described. Sky mushrooms. But Delphos didn't get to see any creatures in it. Right? No, not no creatures at all were seen. I wonder. But Delphos got to sit there, and I would. He he never approached it very closely. Mm-hmm. Didn't huck rocks at yeah, it. Was, so what if it, like you were saying earlier, that. The fuel process. It's literally sucking nutrients or some chemical out of the ground to propel itself. And it didn't want to leave. Let's say the craft is more organic in nature. That's what I was, yeah, it's an organic literally, ship, I would yeah. almost say. Vessel. So it's trying to feed yeah. to refuel. And the creatures are kind of panicking because they had to, like, let's say, forced land. Yeah. Like, and they're not happy where they're at. Yeah. They're, you know, they're in the open, they're in a pasture. They're not in a good spot for, you know, for refueling. And then they were so panicked, they didn't notice a guy walk up. And then the guy starts talking rocks like, oh, crap. Like, go, go, we're, we're go. caught. Yeah, and they're piling back in. Yeah. And it's not it, the UFO itself is a creature. Doesn't want to leave. Right. Doesn't want to leave. It's not ready. It finally leaves. And it kind of doesn't, like, take off or do anything dramatic. It kind of, right. like, floats like almost like a balloon it might have just over to the town to land somewhere else. Got enough fuel to get it up off move. the ground and move. Yeah. And this ground was still hydrophobic. But not to the extreme, you know, just for days. Not. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the ground was dry. It wouldn't take. It was almost like hydrophobic. Okay. They just reported the ground stayed dry, dry. in this space for days, almost weeks. Okay. So not to the level to where there's a crystal left over. Right. But it may not have had full time to feed. Exactly. Yeah. Or suck whatever nutrients yeah. out. Yeah. Whatever it was getting. Interesting. It's what do you think about the creatures' biology themselves? Um, what, as far as being like... Do you think they're in suits? Do you think that's their skin? I'd say it's just whatever they are. I, I, I got that vibe, too. Yeah. And some people draw them as, like, the later ones you see, they have, like, a gas mask nose yeah, and but all that's that. Attributed. That's That's people later on drawing, you know, their own depictions office. Right. His drawing looks kind of like that, but very much more organic in yeah. nature. Very much like it's the being itself. That's what I would say it is. I don't think they're wearing glasses or, you know, or And then suits. how about the Finnish entity? The what? The Finnish one. The Finnish. The, the from Finland. Oh, okay, okay. They had that entity that the two guys seen in itself that kind of looked like it. Hmm. You, Very what, you similar th- described. I was gonna say you think they're related somehow, or I what? think they may be the same entities. Mm, okay. Could be. Could be. It's hard telling though. Now, what do you think about this encounter? Top to bottom, tell me. Like, if I think it's real or not. All of it. I do think it's real. I think it's quite fascinating. Um, it paints a little picture, or it's just another piece of the puzzle, the UFO puzzle. What you know, what actually is going on above us? But I think it adds. It's just another one of those. Uh, I, whatever the UFO phenomena is, it's not all one thing. It's not all res- responsible for one 
uh, I guess, caused creating them all. Like we talked about the organic stuff, actual aliens, U.S. military craft, or just crafts in general created here by humans that are secret. Or if it's what if it is just organic crafts and or creatures like in a symbiotic relationship? Or what if it is what if it is an actual fungus and uh, those little creatures that came out like you talked about uh, being like their arms or tendrils or something? They're fruiting bodies. Yeah, like. they're fruiting bodies. What if it's just that coming out and that's what's actually feeding on the ground below it? Um, it that's just what if it's all part of the same thing? I and mean, he said that it was all like scrambling to get back in. What if it was just retracting them all back in, you know, kind of at the same time? So it looked like they were all uh, trying to jam into it at the same time when it was really just. It's all one thing connected together. It's just being pulled back in to its center, whatever you call it, uh, on a mushroom, a stamen or something, right? Not stamen. Shat, stalk. Like, stalk. Yeah, just the center stalk. And it's just drawing everything right back in it. And, you know, getting ready to take back off. It could be something like that. I don't know. It's just when it comes to the alien topic in general, UFOs in general, I don't think it's one thing. And, you know, I didn't even mention the... And, as far as being an internet, it could be an inter- same thing, but from a different dimension, bleeding through and getting stuck here, or that has the ability to go back and forth between. It could be that too. So, would you call these aliens in the traditional sense, or do you think these are interdimensional, or do you think they're demons, like we think about the Greys and the reptilians? Hmm. I don't think they're demons in this case, but I do think it could be an. But it could be. I don't know. It could be a demon. I don't know. I want to. I want to hope it's not a demon, but it's just. I think it could be just an interdimensional creature, or it could just be like an atmospheric creature that we don't know. They're extremely, extremely rare. We just don't know about. And they come down here to recharge and refuel or something. I don't think this is an atmospheric creature. Okay. I do believe this account. Yes. I do think this actually happened in pretty much the way it is stated. Uh, I think that this is, and I said this on another episode we already recorded, that this is some of the best evidence to true alien life as in the definition of alien, mm-hmm. true extraterrestrials. Okay. It, it has the best chance in my head because they don't fit our biology. There are parts of them that look mechanical from our outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Their science, if it is a ship, makes no sense. Right. This is really what I think is the definition of what would be true, like meeting true extraterrestrials. They're, I guess you could call them humanoid. They have a head, as far as we can tell, arms and and maybe legs. As far as we can tell, all of that, yeah. But not really. Like, they don't have a mouth, ears, eyes, like, as far as we can tell. Those things he thought were eyes or lenses. Or, he has yeah. no idea what those organs or things are for. Right. Same with the mouth thing. You know, it's just because it's where it would be if it was on our body. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that's anything remotely what it is. Exactly. They may not have sensory organs like us is why they didn't notice him in the herd of cows watching them. Right. Because they don't see in that kind of way. You know, they may have heat receptors or they may, you know, maybe all kinds of things. So this is one of these these rare encounters where I think it could be true extraterrestrials. I also go on the interdimensional thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that these are not supposed to be here. These are interdimensional hopping. They have a fuel problem. They have some kind of malfunction. And that's why they're freaking out. I can't believe you didn't say it. Oh. They're all mushrooms. 
They're all mushrooms. I'm not. I don't even think these ones are all mushrooms. Mm. I think that the, I do think the craft is probably in some way, shape, or form alive. Did you hear that out there, people? Do you hear what words just came out of his mouth? I don't believe all these are all just all mushrooms. I guess in the grand scheme of things, they are all mushrooms. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just gonna but, mess with you. Uh, I thought no. in this particular case, it'd be a slam dunk. That's like, why I did it. Mushroom. You think like I try to flip your preceived notions on their head because you have just as many as everybody else and you pretend like you don't. No, I'm a blank canvas up there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like semi, you know, on this. I don't know. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, issues. How's your foot taste? My foot? You're so stuck because like, you're sticking your foot in your mouth? Oh, it tastes great. Sweet. <laughs> Good. Uh, but no, I do think that there is the chance of the interdimensional entities uh, I do think the ship is alive in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I agree too with that. Uh, I don't think the ship may in this case. I don't think the ship is a conscious entity, more like a grown ship. Uh, they do this like I mean, Doctor Who. The Tardises are living animals, like they're grown. They're not like Tardises are born, not made. Okay. Uh, same with some of these other ships. I do think like uh, we we have we, like we could grow our own technology. It was just there's laws against it and such, you know, mm. for genetic experiments and genetic manipulation. Uh, but you could, we have, we have the technology to do maybe not to this advanced level, but we can make like they they are working on making trees into houses and stuff like that. Like you grow a house, that's pretty cool. Uh, and you live in a living entity. Yeah. Like, but that is, we have the technology to do that. Yeah. So I don't think the ship in any way, shape, or form is intelligent. Hmm. Uh. Or at least to the what we would classify as conscious. I think the entities, the little guys running around the bottom are. And they're just like, oh, gosh, the cow stopped the, to drink. Yeah. Huh. And then that I do think there's a lot of similarities with the Delphos UFO sighting. Uh, to where this may be the shape, this weird little mushroom UFO. This is, I talk, we talk about mushroom UFOs on it, but those are mostly shaped like big, like almost oyster shells. Okay. The ones we talk about are from the upper atmosphere. They're much more streamlined. They're not. They they probably are fungus in nature. This is shaped like a mushroom you see in your yard. Mm-hmm. Very different than what we're talking about that lives in our upper atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And that's a little confusing. Hmm. Yeah. What well, I mean. This is not aerodynamic. I think that the animals that we have living in the upper atmosphere are aerodynamic because they're, they're high speed flyers. This could be like the hot air balloon version, though. It could be. Like just the transporter. I'm just saying what I think. Yeah. And then I do think the swishing lights and stuff like that may have been the feeding thing. Like it's very, it may not, there may not be, there may not supposed to be inside during its refueling process. Ah, uh, it might digest them by accident. That or it's just moving stuff around or it's whatever, yeah. you know, it's we're talking about theoretical technologies mm-hmm. that we can't even comprehend to where this stuff is pulling nutrients out. Right. And that's why they're panicking. They're freaking out. They're freaking out because they're like, oh, we're going to get put in a zoo here on earth. I still am on the, f- I still think it, they're part of it. They're part of the ship. It's all one and the same one creature. Well, that's fine. That's my. That's why I think. I don't think they were panicking. I think it was just doing its feeding, and it appeared that way. I don't know. That's just my thought. Well, we didn't see it, and I'm going off the farm. Yeah. Is it? These guys were not happy. Oh yeah. Well, but what if the creature itself wasn't? You know, so there wasn't was a happy. Whole, like the whole, like the ground and everything. There was a penetration hole and all this stuff, or mm-hmm. what it was. Like I really think that self, the stamen was feeding. Yeah. The stem. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely definitely a odd one-off story. 
But is it one off? Well, it's the craft fits other crafts. That's scene. true. Yeah, yeah. And the creature fits another creature scene. It does. The, the finish one. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that one. Duh. You were here but for still, it. But still, but still, it's it's still not common. Right. It's still a little different, right? Not. I mean, kinda. They very. I mean, how many other green penguins have been described <laughs> around the world? True. This might be the only two, maybe. Yeah. So I would. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that one. Similar enough. I'm just trying to think of where else to go with this. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about this whole thing? I think this could be true extraterrestrial life mm-hmm. as far as what we talked about on Cribs and Coffee this morning is that all these infrared videos of what looks like ships coming skimming in. the Earth's upper atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They slow down for a second, skim, and bounce off and keep going, like, going back into light speed or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And I wonder if this is them, that they are using like orbits to hop through the universe and every once in a while, they got to refuel. And and just need, yeah, need fuel in general. This one yeah. happened to be on a inhabited planet, and they were not happy about it. Could be. Very well could be. And then the interdimensional thing is a very cool thing. I Because interdimensional animals, they don't, so I like because these guys don't fit our biology. And yeah. technology doesn't fit our technology. Exactly, yeah. It's very organic technology. When you go on, like, and it, grays have some stuff kind of like that, where they sh- the ships seem like they're, ha- like, alive or partially, like, organically yeah. made. But like a lot of the technologies you, you recognize ish. Mm. Like you recognize hand tools, you recognize, you know, you can understand windows, the function of it. Doors. Yeah. Yeah. Like this doesn't have anything of that. No. Very organic or very just I don't know. It's different. Yeah. Anything else? It's like a different technological biosphere. There we go. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the two sc- uh, the Tuscumbi space penguins. Tuscumbia space penguins. I've been the great and powerful mystery. And I've been the infamous Jay. We'll catch you next week with more fun, fascinating, amazing stuff. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash com. And don't forget, stay magical. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 
96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.